Welcome to the radio program, Why Paul? Bringing and interpreting the doctrine Jesus Christ presented through the Apostle Paul. Your hosts are Michael R. Mix, Michelle Mix, David Reed, and Pamela Lampton of 14th Street Ministries. We are here to bring you the answers found in 2 Timothy, verse 2, and encourage you to teach and share this program with others. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Mix, Michelle Mix, and Pamela Lampton. Hello and welcome uh, to Why Paul. We're glad you're joining with us today. Uh, I'm your host, Michelle Mix. And I'm your host, uh, Michael Mix. I'm your host, Pam Lampton. And I'm your host, David Reed. And we'll open today. Uh, Pam, would you like to open us in prayer? Yes. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for the life that you have given us, Lord, and the days that we can have to witness to others about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray now for the listeners that are listening tonight and the ones that will um, come on to the program um, later on this week and um, every day, every different um, segment that they can come on. Lord, we pray that the word of God would not turn void, Lord, but would open the minds and hearts of man and would tell the gospel of Jesus Christ so that salvation can come to all. We ask these things in your name. Amen. 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 Okay. Um, Tonight we're going to um, pick up where we left off in Ephesians, but we did have some questions that came in last week um, during the online program and some questions that came in on Facebook. So we thought we'd go over the questions first before we hit the book of Ephesians and pick up where we left off on um, okay, that sounds great. verse 14. Great. Um, one question we had um, is in Romans 7, Paul says that he does, does he doesn't even know how to do good. Is this before his conversion or after? I, I think that the listener there is talking about Romans chapter 7, verse 18. Romans 7.18, so you might just want to look at that verse. Romans 7.18 says, For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. So that time period is after Paul's conversion. And what he's talking about there, it's not that Paul doesn't know how to do good, it's that he has trouble performing that which is good because of his sin nature. What happens when someone believes the gospel is they become spiritually alive. The Holy Spirit indwells them, and they're a spiritually alive person. But their flesh, their, their body, still has a sin nature. So the person has an internal conflict because their spirit is alive, but their flesh, their sin nature is also still alive. So those two are in conflict. And that's why Paul says there, for to will is present with me, he has the ability to will, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. And so one of the struggles that we're going to have in the, in the Christian life as saved people is that we uh, are going to have trouble at times doing good because our sin nature resists that. And so that's the that's what Paul's describing in, in Romans 7, 18. Yeah, we Thank need you. to understand that it's there. 
Yes, mm-hmm. it, it, it's reality. I mean, yeah. some some folks think you know they get they get saved and they quit sinning, or if you reach a level of spirituality, you just stop sinning, and and that's really that's just not reality. Um, we're going to struggle in this flesh. God's program for fixing this flesh is the adoption to wit the redemption of our body, which occurs at the rapture. When we get our new bodies, we're not going to struggle with sin. But until we get the new bodies, we're going to have struggles with sin. And our body wants to put us under uh, bondage. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, that sin nature wants us to put us under bondage, mm-hmm. I believe. Yep. Okay, we have another one. Um, if Paul is talking about himself then it would appear that Paul is trying to be justified by the law. Let's look at Galatians 2.16. We'll actually look at a couple verses in Galatians. Galatians is a very helpful book for understanding the book of Romans. Um, we've talked a little bit before in recent weeks about how Ephesians and Colossians are similar books and they explain one another. Romans and Galatians are the same way. So when you read a passage in Romans that's giving you trouble, very likely that something in Galatians will help explain it. So Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. So Paul didn't think he was being justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Look at Galatians 3.11. Galatians 3.11. But that no man is justified by the law in sight, in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Get one more verse with me, Galatians 5.4. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Now, here's what Paul's saying in those verses. Um you can't be justified by the law. In other words, the law is not just a list of 10 commands. There's over 600 points of the law. The, the law governs what you do with when you find a bird's nest. The law governs what you can eat and what you can't. The law governs when you have a shirt. Can it have more than one different type of thread in it? And in other words, the law is more than just thou shalt not commit adultery. There's a whole bunch of requirements of the law. And there's no, there's no sinful person that can be justified by the law. What the book of Galatians is really about is Paul's writing to believers. And those believers, after having gotten saved by believing in grace, in other words, they, they placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, shed blood for their sins. What they then tried to do is they then tried to keep the law to please God. Well, the whole point of you can't do that. You can't be justified by the law. And so just as we are saved by grace, we are then to walk in grace. That's what Galatians tells us. Yeah, if you could be um, saved by, um, if you could be justified by the law, there would be no reason for Christ, would there? That's right. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's not possible. Right. Okay. Um, when was the Apostle Paul ever without law, according to Romans 7? So in Romans chapter 7, look at verse 9, Romans chapter 7 and verse 9. Paul says, for I was alive without the law once, mm-hmm. but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Um, if you, while you're looking at it, get Romans 3 verse 20. 
Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So when Paul said he was alive without the law once, what he's really saying is there was a point in his life where he was spiritually alive before he knew the law, before he had knowledge of good and evil. And that's when he was a young child. So in other words, a young child, when someone is born, they go, th- they go through a phase where they don't yet have the knowledge of good and evil. They, they just, they don't have that knowledge. I mean, if you ever held an infant in your arms and you say, uh, you know, do you understand what sin is? The, the newborn doesn't have any idea what sin means, right? They just don't. Um, they have to progress to the point where they come to the knowledge of the law or the knowledge of good and evil. And when that happens, that's when they spiritually die, but they are alive up until that point. Once you're at the point where you have the knowledge of good and evil and sin revives, it's that point that you spiritually die. And that's the point where what you need to do is you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's why it's always a good idea with little children to teach them the scriptures and teach them the scriptures and have them under the sound of preaching so that when when there comes a point where they now have the knowledge of good and evil, you Mm -hmm. can have them hear the gospel again and again so that they can believe it. Because, of course, the greatest need that the sinner has is to believe the gospel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good thought, especially for children, you know, because you do kind of wonder, you know, at what point do they, you know, um, they get that realization. So that I just remember back when you were a child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it seemed like one day I just woke up and I was five years old. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we don't remember all that, do we? No, we don't. Now, we have one that we probably will cover tonight, but it's what is the mystery that the Apostle Paul spoke of that was hidden? That's a great question. Yeah, go ahead, Pam. So, we're going to be covering that um, in 3, 1 through 9, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to to get right into that hopefully soon. So, let's, uh, let's, if we just hold off on that question for a minute. Okay. We'll do that. I'm going to read um, just for a review, and we're going to start with uh, 2.14 tonight, but I'm going to start in um, Ephesians 2, 11 through 14. Okay. Ephesians 2, verse 11. Wherefore, remember that ye be in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That and that time ye, ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenant of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus ye, who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall partition between having abolished in the his flesh the enmity even the law of commandments contained in the ordinance for to make himself of twain and one new man so making peace i read 15 but go ahead that's great so let's let's go ahead and start in 14 and the interesting thing there in 14 it says that he hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us And what that's referring to is that there was a a dividing wall, a middle wall of partition, a wall of separation, if you will, between Jew and Gentile in time past. 
As an example of that, look with me at Acts chapter 10, verse 28. Acts chapter 10 and verse 28. Now, Acts 10 is obviously after the cross. It's obviously after Acts 2, Pentecost. It's much beyond that. Notice what Peter says in Acts 10, 28. And he said unto them, ye know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. And what he's saying there, this is Peter's, it's it's actually a violation of the Old Testament law. It's an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to go unto one of another nation. God put a separation between Jews and the Gentile nations in time past. But then if you notice what Peter says in the rest of verse 28, but God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. What happened is that middle wall of separation that existed in time past, God destroyed that wall. He abolished it during the book of Acts. Look with me, if you would, then at Exodus 12, verse 48. Exodus 12, verse 48. And when a stranger shall sojourn with thee. So this is someone of another nation that sojourns with Israel. They travel with them. And will keep the Passover to the Lord. Let all his males be circumcised. And then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as one that is born in the land. For no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. What Exodus 12 tells you about the Passover is the key dividing line, the key distinction between someone who can separate it and someone who cannot is not whether they're born in the land. That's not it. It's whether or not they're circumcised, right? That's what that verse is talking about. So when Ephesians 2.14 talks about a middle wall of separation, of, excuse me, of partition in time past, circumcision served that function because it divided Jews and Gentiles. Now, a Gentile, could they become part of the nation of Israel? They could, but they were going to have to be circumcised and and join the nation. So that's how the middle wall partition worked. So then let's do 15. Uh, Let's go ahead and read that one again. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. So Jesus Christ made one new man. He made peace between Jew and Gentile. If you look at Romans chapter 10, verse 12, Romans 10, 12, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Galatians 3, verse 28, Galatians 3, 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, if you recall what we looked at last week, in, in time past, under the Old Testament law, there was a distinction between Jew and Gentile. Gentiles were described as without hope. Uh, because they were separated from God's chosen people. But what Ephesians 2 verses 14 and 15 is telling us is that was true in time past, but that is no longer true today. That middle wall of partition that existed, God has broken it down, and he has now made peace between Jew and Gentile because he's made in himself, in Christ, 
of twain, of two, one new man. There's a unity in Jesus Christ between Jew and Gentile. And then if you look at Romans 6, verse 14, Romans 6, 14, what, what Ephesians 2, 15 had said is that the Lord abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. In other words, the Old Testament law. Look at me at Romans 6, 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. As a believer today, you're not under the Old Testament law. This actually goes to the question Pam asked earlier in the program. You know, sh- should people be justified by the law today as believers? And the answer is no, they, they shouldn't be, because as believers, as people that have, ha- that have placed their faith in Christ, we are not under the Old Testament law. We were in time past, but no longer. All right, someone want to read Ephesians 2.16? Uh, yes, I'll do that. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. So that references to the fact that Jew and Gentile are placed into one body today, the body of Christ. So that's how scripture describes the church of today. It describes it as the body of Christ. So any, any comments anyone has, and then we'll take a, a break maybe. Um, one new body, does that mean the body of Christ or individually? I believe there it's a reference to the body of Christ. And as, okay. we, as we read through Ephesians, it's going to tell us more about the, the church, okay. the body of Christ. <clears throat> okay, very good. And it's nice to know as well that if, even in Galatians 3.28, when it's talking about everyone, everyone's the same. Um, it's nice to know this day and age that we are all the same. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what we look like, who we are, we are all the same. And so Christ died for each of us exactly the same way. And we can, we can get his free gift the exact same way. And it doesn't matter who we are because he treats us all the same. So that's nice to know. Uh, It's comforting. Uh, So we'll be right back after this break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 14th Street Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. Your donations are most appreciated. You can make donations on our website at 14thstreetministries.com. Our goal is to preach the gospel to a lost and dying world. Our message is to lift the believer, teaching sound doctrine by rightly dividing the word of truth. We are a grace ministry. You can reach out to us by calling 314-243-3779 or by contacting us on the web at 14thstreetministries.com or follow our Facebook page. Look for 14th Street Online Bible Study. We hear just be you a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show. Hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? 
Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to the radio program why paul if you'd like to participate in today's program call in to 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 or send an email to michael r mix at 14th street ministries.com now back to why paul and welcome back from break and we're gonna uh we're finishing up ephesians 2 okay. great Let's start in verse 17 then. Okay. And came and preached peace and came and preached peace to you which were far off and to them that were nigh. And so it's clear from the context of what we've been looking at that you which were afar off is a reference to Gentiles and them that were nigh is a reference to Jews. Those two have been placed into one body. Look at verse 18. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now, in time past, Jew and Gentile did not have the same access, but today they do have the same access, and that access is by the Spirit. Look at verse 19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Now, if you notice carefully in verse 19, when it says, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, that tells you that Ephesians is directed largely to a Gentile audience because the ye, the you, the person being addressed is no more strangers and foreigners. And what it's saying is that Gentiles in time past, they were without hope, but today they now have direct access to God. Does someone want to read verses 20, 21, 22? Okay. And are built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an inhabitation of God through the Spirit. So what those verses are telling you is that God today resides in the body of Christ. The spirit actually indwells every believer. We're a habitation of God because that's where God resides. Resides. So that's telling us what we've seen in Ephesians 2 pretty clearly in the last part of the chapter is 
the, the, the fundamental characteristic of this age in which we live is that it's different from time past where there was a distinction between Jew and Gentile. That distinction has been done away with today. Jew and Gentile have equal access. Paul says in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In other words, it's to both. So that wraps up Ephesians 2. Let's now start looking at Ephesians chapter 3. Can someone read verse 1? For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Now, when we when we started the program and we were dealing with some question and answers, someone asked about the mystery that was revealed to Paul. As we jump into Ephesians 3, we're going to jump really deep into what that mystery is. What verse 1 tells us is that Paul was the prisoner of Jesus Christ, and then it says, for you Gentiles. Now, if you just think back for a minute, we've previously looked at Matthew 10, verses 5 and 6, where when Paul sent out the 12, he commanded them, and he, he said, go not into the way of the Gentiles. In other words, he told them specifically, do not go to Israel, go <laughs> that was a mistake. Yeah. Do not go to the Gentiles. Go only to Israel. Now, compare that with Romans 11, verse 13. Look with me at Romans 11, verse 13. As you think of the 12 apostles, the 12 apostles, and, and by the way, the reason there were 12 apostles is there were 12 tribes of Israel. They obviously had a ministry that was directed toward Israel. Paul says in Romans eleven thirteen, 13, for I speak to you Gentiles. That's not something Peter would have said. Inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. One of the key things to understand as you study the scriptures, many people think when they look at the New Testament that it, all the books of the New Testament are saying the same thing. It's really not so. The 12 apostles have a different ministry from Paul. And Paul has a specific ministry where he was sent to the Gentiles. So let's look at Ephesians 3, verse 2. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me towards you. So when you talk about dispensationalism, which is a long word and it sounds really complicated, mm -hmm. but it's really not that complicated. The concept of dispensationalism is simply that God has different programs in effect at different times. And that shouldn't be a surprising thing. We all know that today you don't need to offer an animal sacrifice for your sins. Did people in time past need to do that? Yes. No one today is building an ark. Did Noah build, need to build an ark? Yes, he did. And so we, we all understand uh, it sort of intuitively that there are distinctions like that in the scriptures. When it comes to dispensationalism, some people say, well, dispensationalism, that's a man-made doctrine. It didn't even exist until the 1800s when John Nelson Darby and some other men invented it. Well, th that's just sort of silly stuff. I mean, look what Ephesians 3.2 says, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God. The concept of dispensations was in the word of God ever since the Holy Spirit wrote it. Now, it's true that men often ignored it, but that doesn't mean the concept wasn't there. Now, what Paul says specifically in verse 2, the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word. 
Well, the fact that the dispensation of the grace of God was given to Paul tells us that it was given to him and not to someone else. And it was given me to you word. In other words, God gave that information to Paul for the purpose of giving to other people. What it's very similar to, we all recall that Moses went up on Mount Sinai to receive the law. And when God gave him the law, did God say to Moses, well, I've given you the law. It's just for you. I want you to put it in a safe deposit box and not tell anyone because it's a secret between you and me. God didn't say that. God gave the law to Moses so that Moses would then go down to Israel and he would tell all of Israel, here's what the law is. Well, God did the same thing with the dispensation of the grace of God. He gave that information to Paul and Paul was to do what with it? To you word. He was to declare it to the world. Let's look at verse three. How that by revelation, he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote a four in a few words. Now, Paul says in verse three that he received the mystery by revelation. Look with me at Galatians chapter one, verse 11. Galatians one, verse 11. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Paul says multiple times in his epistles that the doctrine he taught, he received by revelation. Now, just think through something with me for a moment. Did Paul need revelation from God to teach Peter's gospel? And the answer to that is obviously no. What was Paul doing before the road to Damascus? Well, he was persecuting the kingdom church. And he was persecuting the kingdom church because of their doctrine. So just think about this with me for a moment. The kingdom church was largely Jewish, right? In other words, that's who the 12 went to. That's who was present on the day of Pentecost. When Saul was persecuting the church, he wasn't persecuting them because he didn't like Jewish people. Saul himself was Jewish. He persecuted them because in his manner of thinking as a Pharisee, he thought the kingdom church was a bunch of heretics, and that's why he was persecuting them. Now, why does that matter? Here's why that matters. Paul knew their doctrine. The reason he was persecuting them is he knew their doctrine, and he thought it was heresy, and he thought it was appropriate to persecute them. So when you think about Galatians 1, verses 11 and 12, when you think about Ephesians 3, 3, and Paul says how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, what he's saying is this information has to be completely different from what Peter taught because... I didn't need revelation to know what Peter taught. He already knew it. He was very familiar with it, and he hated it. See, what what we're going to see as we go through Ephesians 3 is this. What is commonly thought throughout Christendom is that Paul and the 12 are preaching the same doctrine. Now, Paul comes along later because he's stubborn, is what people think, but he was teaching the exact same thing. 
But if you just think about this carefully, you realize that can't possibly be the case. What Paul was preaching was not the same. It was different from the 12 because it was new information. So that's Ephesians 3.3. Let's look at Ephesians 3.4. Whereby, when you read... Whereby, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So, Paul's talking there again. He, he used in verse 3 the term mystery. In verse 4, he again uses the term mystery. And just as a reminder, we've talked about this in time past, but let me read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, and it says, even the hidden wisdom. So scripture defines for us what the word mystery means. It's wisdom, but what kind of wisdom? It's wisdom that was hidden. In other words, it was concealed. It wasn't yet revealed. That's what Paul's talking about when he talks about the mystery. So let's look at Ephesians 3 verse 5. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So what verse 5 is plainly saying is that in other ages, in other words, in time past, the revelation given to Paul was not made known. It doesn't say it wasn't understood. It says it wasn't even made known because God hadn't revealed it. So did the apostle Paul teach the same thing as Isaiah? He didn't. Did he teach the same thing as John the Baptist? No, he didn't. Did he teach the same thing as Peter? No, he didn't. Because prior to Paul, the information was not made known. And that is why the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to Paul to reveal it to him. Verse 6, please. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So we're going to look at, at, at Matthew 15 really quickly. What, what Ephesians 3, 6 does is it gives definition to the mystery of Christ that was revealed and talked about in Ephesians 3, 3, and 3, 4. And it says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. Now, to put that in context, let's go to Matthew 15 just for a minute. Matthew chapter 15, and we're going to look at verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. So it's a woman of Canaan that's saying this. She's a Gentile woman. Verse 23, but he answered her not a word, didn't even respond to her. And his disciples came and besought her, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The point the Lord was making is that during his earthly ministry, he was sent only to Israel, which is why he sent the twelve only to Israel. Verse 25, Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Notice what the Lord says in verse 26. But he answered and said, it is not meat, it's not fitting, it's not proper, to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. 
Now, do you understand what the Lord is saying there? A Gentile woman comes to him seeking help because her daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. She has a legitimate problem, a legitimate concern. He says, I'm only sent to Israel. She continues, and he says, it's not proper for me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. What he's saying is the distinction between Israel and Gentiles is the distinction between a child and a dog. Now, if you recall, when we were in Ephesians 3, 6, it said that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. Do you see how fundamentally different that is? The whole idea of, of Ephesians 3, 6 is they're fellow heirs. Jews and Gentiles have equal standing. They they're, have you know, equal access. Matthew 15, there's a difference between a child and a dog. Now, let's just read verse 27 real quick. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. She says, you're right, Lord, because under the time period in which we were living, there is a distinction between Israel and Gentiles. It's that middle wall of partition we looked at earlier. Verse 28, then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. What the Lord was doing there, he, of course, desired to heal that woman's daughter. There's no question about that. But, but he wasn't going to heal her in a way that violated the instructions that God had given at that time. And at that time, there was a middle wall of partition. There was a separation between Jew and Gentile. Today, go back to Ephesians 3, 6, Jews and Gentiles are fellow heirs and of the same body. That's a big difference. Any thoughts on that before we go to break? Just shows us the uh, wonderful grace of, of God and his um, love and true heart. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And even, um, and, and sometimes I look back at, you know, how, how he says something and, um, you know, like, thinking did someone else someone someone take offense like saying okay you're comparing me to the dogs you know but Mm -hmm. they're they're in a different mind than what we would think today taking things literally um so that's just a thought i had there all right and we'll be right back after break Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 14th Street Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. Your donations are most appreciated. You can make donations on our website at 14thstreetministries.com. Our goal is to preach the gospel to a lost and dying world. Our message is to lift the believer, teaching sound doctrine by rightly dividing the word of truth. We are a grace ministry. You can reach out to us by calling 314-243-3779 or by contacting us on the web at 14thstreetministries.com or follow our Facebook page. Look for 14th Street Online Bible Study. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to the radio program, Why Paul? If you'd like to participate in today's program, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to michaelrmix at 14thstreetministries.com. Now, back to Why Paul? And welcome back. I'm your host, Michelle Mix. And I'm your host, uh, Michael Mix. I'm your host, Pam Lampton. And I'm your host, David Reed. All right, and we're we're in uh, Ephesians three, so it looks like we're at Ephesians three seven now. Okay. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power. So in verse seven, what Paul is saying is he was made a minister of this mystery information that was given to him. And so when you read Paul's writings and you see that they are different in content from Peter's, it's because Paul was a minister of the particular revelation that was given to him. Can someone read verse 8? Unto me, who am least, less than the least of all the saints, in this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. This is a profound verse. So what what Paul says here is that he would preach among the Gentiles. And we've already looked at the fact that when the Lord during his earthly ministry sent out the 12, he told them, he commanded them to go not into the way of the Gentiles. So the 12 and Paul fundamentally had different audiences. They went to different people. But what this verse then says is that Paul was preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ. Well, what, what, what does that mean exactly? Let's compare that to John chapter 5, verse 39. John 5, 39. Now, one of the things you may be noticing as we go verse by verse is that what we'll typically do is we'll find a couple of cross-reference verses to help us understand better what the particular verse in Ephesians is saying. And the reason why we're doing that is that God has designed his word like an interlocking puzzle, right? There are pieces that fit together. And so if what you can do is you can find the the other verses that are relevant to a particular passage, it'll give you a much greater understanding and clarity about what's being said. So John 5, verse 39. Now, this is the Lord before the cross. He is speaking to people under the Old Testament law. He says, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Now, when the Lord says, search the scriptures at that moment in time, he has to be referring to the Old Testament because the New Testament hadn't been written. And what he says here is fascinating. For in them, that's in the Old Testament scriptures, ye think ye have eternal life. So the Lord is talking to people that think they're justified on the basis of the Old Testament. 
for in them ye think ye have eternal life. And then he says this, and they are they which testify of me. Here's what the Lord is doing. There are people in Israel that do not recognize, they do not understand that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They don't get that. And what he is saying to them is, search the scriptures because you respect the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. You think you're justified by the Old Testament scriptures. Well, if you think that, read them. Mm-hmm. And if you read them, who are they going to point to? When it says, they are they which testify of me. So when you read the Old Testament, it tells you that the Messiah will be from the tribe of Judah. It tells you the Messiah will be from the house of David. It tells you the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. It tells you the Messiah will be born of a virgin. It tells you the Messiah will be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. In other words, when you read through the Old Testament, there's clue after clue after clue after clue after clue that when the Lord Jesus Christ shows up, what should everyone that has a knowledge of the Old Testament say? We know who this is. This can only be one Mm -hmm. person. Right, yeah. because the Old Testament evidence is absolutely utterly clear. Yeah, they should have known it. So in John five thirty nine, what he says is, search the scriptures because the evidence was all there. Right. Now compare that with go back to Ephesians three eight with me if you would. Ephesians three eight. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, we know what unsearchable means. It's not searchable. In other words, what Paul was preaching cannot be found in the Old Testament. When the Lord in John 5 says, search the scriptures, the Lord knew, if you search the Old Testament, it's going to have a bunch of verses that point to me. In Ephesians 3.8, Paul says, this revelation I have it's, a, it's the revelation of the mystery that hadn't been revealed before. In other ages, it was not made known. And you can search throughout the whole Old Testament. You won't find a trace of it because it was hidden wisdom until God revealed it to me. Fascinating contrast, isn't it? And what it really tells you is if you, if you try to look for Paul's mystery revelation in the Old Testament, you're not going to find it. If you look for it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're not going to find it. If you look for it in the early Acts, it's not there because God hadn't revealed it yet. That's what verse 8 is telling us. Let's look at Ephesians 3, 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. So in verse 9, Paul again talks about the mystery. And then notice the language that he uses, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God. He doesn't say it was hidden in the Old Testament. doesn't say it was hidden in the scriptures. Where was it hidden? It was hidden in God himself. Well, if God hid something in himself, Do you think that anyone was smart enough to figure out what God hid in himself? I mean, it's just not even possible. Look with me at Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 25. Colossians 1, 25. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you 
to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. So in Colossians 1, Paul talks about the mystery again. And amazingly, what he says here is he calls it the, the dispensation of God. And then he says the mystery which hath been hid from ages and, and from generations. In other words, there were thousands and thousands of years. There were generations and generations where no one knew this. And, and for what reason? Well, because it was hid. God hid it until God decided he wanted it to be revealed. And, and the key part here, um, and let me just sort of tie the first nine verses together because I think they're sort of helpful. In, in, in verse one, Paul talks about being a prisoner of Christ for you Gentiles. So he was sent to the Gentiles. In verse two, he says that he has the dispensation of the grace of God. It was given to him. In verse three, he says he got it by revelation, which means he didn't learn it from another man and it wasn't something that someone else was teaching. In verses three and four, he says it's a mystery, which means it's hidden wisdom. In verse five, he says in other ages, it wasn't made known. In verse eight, he says it's unsearchable. And in verse nine, he says, which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God. Doesn't that just scream out that what Paul's teaching is new and different from what Peter and the 12 were teaching? It proves it like 10 different ways. And I, I emphasize that. The reason this, this program is called Why Paul is because one of the most fundamental mistakes in, in Christianity today is people think that the 12 and Paul are teaching the same thing, and you just can't read Ephesians 3 and believe that. You just have to ignore what the words say. Yeah, because right. the whole point of the passage is to tell you that Paul had new information that was different. Now think about this. If the Lord Jesus Christ decided to appear from heaven to Paul and give him new information, do you think it might be important? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Lord's not going to waste his time. So if, if, if the Lord thought it was important enough to do that, then mm -hmm. we need to be very careful to understand and learn what this mystery is and then to teach it as Paul taught it. Um, so that's why the name of this program and that's why the, this ministry is so critically important. Yeah, so we're we ready for ver verse 10? Yes. To the intent that now unto the principalities and the powers in heavenly places might be known by the church in manifold wisdom of God. It's really interesting to put verse 9 and verse 10 together. Because in verse 9, Paul says to make all men see. So mm -hmm. he wanted to make everyone on earth see the fellowship of the mystery. He wanted them to understand that. But verse 9 didn't end with a period. So verse 10, to the intent. He made all men see to the intent of what? That now into the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. So even while the body of Christ is teaching fellow men the mystery, the fellowship of the mystery, who's watching? Well, the principalities and powers in heavenly places. The, the principalities, and power, principalities and powers in heavenly places are learning from what the body of Christ does. And I would suggest it this way. The prophecy program is about God's power. God says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And he tells Satan exactly what he's going to do. For example, Genesis 3, I'm going to destroy you with the seed of the woman, right? He tells them later on, Abraham is going to be where the chosen nation comes from, right? 
The Messiah is going to be from the house of David. Well, every time God does that, every time he gives a specific prophecy, he's telling Satan who Satan needs to destroy, right? First, you got to destroy the seed of the woman. Then you got to destroy Abraham's seed. Then you got to destroy the line of David. And every time he does that, he's like putting a target on their back. But he's not worried about it because God knows that his power is greater than Satan's. In other words, what he can say is, Satan, I'm going to tell you exactly how I'm going to destroy you. And you can Mm -hmm. try as hard as you want. You're not going to be able to do anything about it. That's what the prophecy program is about, isn't it? He tells them in Genesis 3, I'm going to destroy you with the seed of the woman. Thou shalt bruise his heel, but he's going to bruise your head. He's going to destroy you. The mystery program is completely different because the prophecy program is the telling in advance. I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm going to do, and you can't stop it. It's going to be a demonstration of my power. The mystery program is different. The mystery program is this. I'm going to keep from you just a little bit of information. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, verse 8, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. See, when the Lord is crucified, right before that happens, Luke 22, Satan enters into Judas because Satan is in favor of the cross, and Satan thinks the cross is a victory for him. But in the middle of the book of Acts, God reveals the mystery the body of Christ that's going to replace Satan and his minions in heavenly places. And what happened is God took the wise in their own craftiness. By just keeping one secret from Satan, God demonstrated his far superior wisdom. And the cross was actually Satan's undoing. So in short, prophecy program demonstrates God's power. The mystery program demonstrates God's wisdom. And that's what we're to be stewards of today. So I'll pause there. We're getting close to wrapping up, and I just thought I'd you know, maybe take some time here to see if anyone has any comments. Yeah, next week we'll get into, we'll start in uh, 311, which is uh, God's eternal purpose. Yes. So, There's a purpose God is accomplishing with the body of Christ, and it's glorious to understand it. Yeah, and it's very exciting. Sure for is. The, for the believers, that is. Yes, it is. So that'd be interesting to follow. And we thank thank everyone again for uh, joining, us, joining us on Facebook Live. And if you always have questions or comments or anything about the show, uh, you can also send a message to us on the Facebook Live um, or on our Facebook page. And you can also, which you will find at um, facebook.com online Bible study. That's where you'll find us at 14th Street Ministries online Bible study. And you can also visit our webpage at www.14thstreetministries.com. And uh, we hope to see everybody back next week and have a great week. And we really appreciate the listeners. Yes, we do. Thank you. You have been listening to Why Paul. Visit us on the web at 14thStreetMinistries.com. And please join Michael R. Mix, Michelle Mix, David Reed, and Pamela Lampton again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for more thoughts and wisdom. Also, be sure to tell everyone about our program.